that, I was watching the, the KU game with my kids, and they're falling apart, and that's, that's not good uh, per the norm. But I was, uh, I was struck by a commercial that I saw, um, and, you know, these, this, this has kind of been on my mind, this, this series, and tonight in particular has been on my mind this week. And um, I just thought that this was such a great illustration to uh, what we think about and how we're shaped um, in, in today. So this is a one-minute commercial. It's a weird way to start, I know. But here we go. message is clear guys uh put on this magic spray and women are going to notice you uh they're going to pull you into their life they're going to take you somewhere wonderful uh i think his face at the end really uh captures captures a lot of what we think uh, today uh that this is going to make me happy this like thrill this excitement of oh she's bringing me into this wonderful new exciting world um, I think it really depicts what, what we want. My life will be amazing once I find that one person. And this spray can get me there. Um, but as I watched last night, it wasn't just acts. Um, it was TV shows. It was movie commercials. It was uh, car commercials, insurance commercials, all with the same script selling you the same thing. A guy gets noticed by a girl. They get that look. You know, the one from across the room where you connect and your heart starts to beat and voila, next thing you know, you're sleeping together and you're happy all because you bought a new truck or downloaded some new investment app. Like, it's crazy. They get you every time with the same thing. Now that you know it, you'll see it. But the message is clear. Uh, life is about finding love and feeling in love is what will fulfill you. And we are taught that our boyfriends or our girlfriends um, should be put onto a pedestal. And we are to look to them to make us feel better. And Acts does a good job selling that script to you and so do many other things. And tonight I want to try to convince you that there's a better option. And I don't want you to believe that. That's not going to get you anywhere. Um, tonight we're talking about dating and what I've tried to do, why we waited so long, uh, is to keep you coming back. So it worked. Um, does someone want to close the door? It sounds like there's some people over there studying, and they keep looking here like I'm bothering them. <laughs> um, I've tried to lay some groundwork. So uh, I've mapped out a biblical view of marriage. I've mapped out a theology of our bodies and sexuality, uh, what sex is and what sex is for, uh, where it's designed to be had. 
And then last week, Nathan uh, brought a good word from 1 Corinthians 7 that singleness is a really good thing. Um, it's not something to be afraid of. It's not some second-tier human experience. Um, but, but, but tonight, we're going to change gears and, and chat about that mysterious and awkward and amazing and difficult and uh, heart-exposing thing called dating. Um, this whole made-up premarital period that's really clunky and has all sorts of unnamed rules that you think you know, but maybe you don't know, and maybe they don't know them either, and it gets weird. Um, but it's full of anxiety and excitement. It's full of the unknown. It's full of heartbreak. It's full of anticipation. It's full of wonder. Yet dating's not in the Bible, <laughs> which is what makes my job hard tonight, uh, which is why there's not a passage on the bulletin as there usually is, and why tonight, if this is your first time, will be slightly different. Well, a little bit different. Um, you know, in most cases, uh, during the time of Jesus, marriages were arranged. And that arrangement um, came with a typically a year-long process. It was called the, uh, the betrothed period. And it's where two were arranged by their parents. And they remained during this year of betrothal uh, sexually chaste while the parents kind of worked behind the scenes to figure out all the legal uh, details and, and the housing situation and, and uh, make sure the finances are set in place. Um, you can actually get a, a sense of this. If you go look uh, at some point in your own time, Matthew 1, you'll read that Mary and Joseph, um, that they were betrothed, that they called themselves husband and wife, yet they were virgins. And Joseph considered a, a public divorce. So you see, you see that they were husband and wife, yet they weren't quite husband and wife. Um, they were betrothed, so they weren't yet having sex. Um, and that's, that was pretty standard. So there was a pre-marriage period. But it's not like dating is today. I'm very different than what dating is, is today. Um, in the ancient world, just as in many places today, marriage was not so much about romance and love as it was just about like survival. Um, beauty and sexual intimacy, while those were like considered, there's a whole book, Song of Solomon, they're considered great gifts. Um, from the Lord, but they were understood to be passing. Um, you know, I don't know if you know this, but one day you'll get wrinkly, uh, your hips will go out, and maybe you'll get a fake hip. You'll get flabby, and then you'll die. Um, that's, that's what Ash Wednesday is about. It's to remind you that uh, to dust you come from, and to dust you will go. And, and they, better, they understood that much better than we do. Um, it wasn't so much about love and romance. Um, it was more about life and survival. And this is kind of tangential, but as I've kind of thought about that, I realized that like romance and love is kind of the epitome of privilege, right? Like we have so many comforts. We have so much bandwidth that to actually consider love is a thing. Um, like imagine right now, for example, how romantic a marriage is in Ukraine. Like, is that a pressure they're putting on themselves? Or how much dating's on the mind of 21-year-olds in that area? Or imagine in a third world country how often the husband takes his wife out on a date. Or what sort of dating life there is there. You know, the saying goes, beggars can't be choosers. Um, but since none of us here are beggars, we've created this unique and terrifying market to make yourself choosable and to find someone and choose them. Um, welcome to dating. 
And, and talking about dating is, is hard for a few reasons, and my hope really is to throw out a bunch of things and some of it to not stick well or sit well with you and for you to text me or you can scan the QR code and ask some questions. And then we've, we've carved off a lot of time. There's no more songs. We've carved off a lot of time at the end to, uh, for me to take questions. And my hope is just to throw a lot at you um, and then for us to have some sort of dialogue in a, in a way and, and maybe it can go beyond tonight. Um, if you're if you're wanting that. But it's hard to talk about for a few reasons. One, it's hard because it's not like I'm preparing to like explain a biblical text or some sort of biblical theology as I've done for the past few weeks and as I try to do every week. Um, but instead, I'm going to be using biblical principles and biblical wisdom to help shape your mind about this. So I just want to kind of be upfront about that. Um, second, dating is hard because it's a it's a made up construct. And it's kind of like marriage, but it's like not really marriage. And so there's some commitment, but there's not really any commitment. And, you know, one day you can be in love and the next day you see a different girl or a different boy and then you're not in love anymore. So there's some commitment, but not really. Uh, the third reason it's hard to talk about is because in the Christian world, there's one thing we do really well in the America evangelicalism, and that is that we write a lot of books. And writing about dating is like an easy way to make the New York Times bestseller. And so there are so many books about dating. There's so many opinions. How to date, when to date, who to date. Is this person my soulmate? There's some good stuff out there. I'm not like bashing at all. But it's just kind of overwhelming. And, and sometimes it, it feels like, in my opinion, it feels like people are trying to make things black and white where so much of this conversation is just living in the gray. Um, and so, like, um, one, one other thing I, I find interesting about people who write books is usually people always write the books with a little bit of caveat. They're like, I didn't do this, but I think you should. And they go and write a whole book about it. It's like, that kind of feels a little strange. Like, at some point, someone should be like, here's what we did, and you should do this. Um, maybe those books are out there. Sometimes I just feel like they try to overcomplicate it and make it more pragmatic than it really is. Fourth, fourth reason it's hard to talk about this uh, is because dating is so personal. Uh, so how I might encourage you in your dating life is vastly different than how I might encourage you in your dating life. And so I'm trying to get up here and like throw out a bunch of things and it might not stick with some of you, but it might some of it stick with others. Um, but one-on-one -on -one conversations are so much better. Um, so I can get context, I can hear your story, I can hear the more personal dynamics, I can hear where you're struggling, I can hear the ins and outs. Um, and I, I feel like that stuff's really needed before my advice is maybe more practical. Um, so because of all those difficulties talking about dating, I'm just not going to talk about it. No, I'm kidding. Uh, all right. <laughs> all right. So here's what I tried to do. Um, I tried to, to, to make this just really clear. I'm going to try to, I, I'm, I'm going to lay out where I think the Bible is very black and white. Um, where, things that you just can't get around. Um, and then I'll, I'll later get to a few points that I think are, there's a lot of gray that we ought to open, uh, live with our, our hands open with. All right. So black and white areas. Um, I just realized that tonight's been absent of prayer. So let's pray. Um, God, I thank you uh, for uh, bringing us together, and I know we're all eager to, um, to, 
to, to hear and to learn and um, hopefully to be challenged and hopefully to be comforted. And I pray that your spirit, though we're not like bringing alive your, your word, um, I pray that your spirit would uh, be speaking and, and working in our hearts nonetheless. Um, I thank you for this group and the way that you've built such great friendships here. I thank you for those in this room who are dating. And as I was looking through um, the, the group, there are lots of people dating. And that's, that's it's, it's awesome. Um, but I also thank you for those who aren't. And I know that for some of them, they found great comfort last week, um, that they find contentment in their singleness. But for some, they're really discontent. I pray that tonight something would stick with them that they would be um, encouraged. I pray this all in your name. Amen. Um, also, I realize I have some pens that I'm going to. Uh, there's like 15 pens. If you need a pen, let's pass those around. That bucket used to be full like two years ago. All right. So what's black and white? Uh, first and foremost, and you'll hear me say this in different ways tonight, um, but I just thought, let's start here. And Nathan really hit this on the, on the head last, last week, that the primary relationship in your life, the one that matters the most, and I don't say this as any sort of like platitude or in any sort of like, um, you know, uh, any sort of way that makes this seem like it's just like a little pithy statement. Um, the relationship that matters most in your life is your relationship with the Lord. Um, you know, Jesus says, you are to seek first God and his kingdom and that all else will be given to you. Um, in other words, pursue Jesus and every, everything else in your life will make more sense. I'm like, at the end of the day, m- more, than, more than you need my advice, more than you need the book, um, need a book, you, you need, as you enter into this world of dating, you need the risen king on your side, and you need his spirit, and you need his father on your side to guide you, Okay. You need to abide with God. And what I'm certain of is as you abide with God, he will bring clarity. He will bring you comfort. He will give you courage. He will bring you conviction. And he will bring you confidence. And yes, all those start with C. He will bring you clarity. He'll bring you comfort. He'll bring you courage, conviction, and confidence. Um, Tonight is a, a talk about dating for Christians. And who you need to be in a relationship, first and foremost, is our triune God. That's very black and white. Um, Second thing, a life is not to be lived alone. Hey, men, um, if you want to date someone, you need some Christian brothers in your life. Hey, ladies, if you want to date someone, um, you need some Christian sisters in your life. Um, The reason that this is black and white instead of gray is that while the scriptures don't specifically outline this in that that specific of a way, um, it's assumed because life was communal, whereas now life is individual. You know, the book of Hebrews says to confess your sins to one another daily and to encourage each other in the gospel as our final day draws near. So I don't think you're ready to date until you have people around you. You need someone in your life who can hear about your crap, and who can call you into holiness, who can, listen to you conf- to conf- who can listen to you confess, and can speak words of assurance over you. You need people around you hearing about your dating relationship 
and pointing you to faithfulness. You know, there's a lot of maturity that needs to happen in this area as I think about this. Um, you need friends to ask you, well, as friends here in REF, we need to ask each other better questions about life in the kingdom. How's that going? We need to give people the opportunity to speak into our dating relationships. To encourage one another towards faithfulness to Jesus. And, and we'll talk more about this next week. But the second very black and white area is that you need to date well. You need Christian brothers and sisters around you. Um, third, and we'll just get this one over with. Um, sex is for marriage. Um, I did a whole sermon on this, and so I'm just going to refer you to that. It's on our podcast, uh, RUF Tulsa. And so maybe a question I would anticipate getting if I didn't just go ahead and state this up front is how far can I go? Um, And that's just like the wrong question. Because one of the things that makes me a a Protestant um, is that I believe that no human man is the Lord of your conscience. Only the Lord Christ himself is. And so I, as a minister of Jesus, if I were to draw a boundary line for you and your boyfriend or girlfriend, I would then be lording that over your conscience. So if I were to say, you know, you can go, the, you can go all the way sexually until intercourse. Um, some of you would be like, oh, thank God. And some of you would be like, what? If I were to say, you can go, you know, you can, you can, you can make out and just, just make sure you're like standing up. <laughs> Some of you are like, oh, thank God. And some of you be like, what? If I were to be like, just hold hands. All of you would be like, what? Um, so I will not draw a line for you. The Lord is the Lord alone of your conscience. Um, and I'm going to speak a little more to this when we get to the gray stuff. But that's the third point. Sex is for marriage. And to have sex before marriage is sin. Which brings me to my fourth black and white area, is that God loves sinners. And that he grants unending forgiveness. So if you've had sex with the person you're dating, or with someone previously, um, God welcomes you by faith in his son to his table of grace. It's set for you. And it's unearned. Um, He wants you to know, contrary to what the early 2000s purity culture would have you believe, that you are not ruined. Um, you are not damaged goods. Um, no one in this room has outsend your forgiveness. And so the invitation is come to Jesus, all who are weary and heavy laden, and he will give you rest. Come to Jesus and find rest for your soul. And then take the yoke of Jesus by your side, and walk with him. Today's a new day. Um, Number five, um, do not be unequally yoked. This one's pretty clear. This one you can find in 1 Corinthians. You know, I love when secular psychology comes to the same biblical conclusions. Um, Most secular a premarital material will tell you that if you are not on the same page spiritually, um, that your relationship, your marriage will be at best very surface level, and at worst it will crumble. 
So if you are, if you're married and unequal, but, it, but then he goes on to say, if you're married and unequally yoked, um, stay that way for the sake of your kids. But do not enter into a marriage unequally yoked. Christians, only date Christians. Like there, there are, I know that sounds maybe radical or harsh. Um, there's, there's, too, there's too many passages I could point you to. Um, your boyfriend or girlfriend is not your evangelistic outlet. Don't date someone to win them over for Christ. If you're dating someone that's not a Christian, um, don't just say, well, God wants me to stay in this relationship. Why else would he have brought us together and given us so much peace and happiness? And in fact, he or she is really starting to be more receptive to the gospel. Like, that's just not true. God does not contradict himself in some secret message to you. I'm sorry. Um, he's revealed his will in this area. He has spoken. And it's the final revelation that we need. And he says that we should not be unequally yoked. Just as Christians are not to break bread in the Lord's Supper with non-Christians, you are not to marry someone who's a non-Christian. These are covenantal commands, and it's a big deal. Um, number six. So then let's ask, what does it look like to be equally yoked? Um, I would say it means to be two confessing sinners in need of the grace of God who make it their every effort to follow Jesus in all they do. And in doing so, they stumble, struggle, confess, repent, and believe. Um, you know, we're about, we're about to enter a potentially gray area. I considered putting it in that area, but we're going to hang with me because I believe this is still black and white. Um, I commonly hear the reason for a breakup is this. This person's not as spiritually mature as I am. And so we're equally yoked in the fact that we're both Christians, but we're far different in our walk with Christ. The girlfriend's concerned that the boyfriend's not leading them spiritually well enough. Or perhaps they don't see much relationship with Christ in their life. It's not the highest priority for him as it is for her. And so she ends it, or at least debates ending it. Uh, more vice versa. A guy meets a girl in RUF, is attracted to her, likes her personality, but soon into their dating relationship discovers she's kind of a newbie Christian, where he's been a Christian his whole life, and so they break up. And I get that. But I don't think that's a reason to end it until you understand black and white principle number seven. We're getting along. Here we go. We're, we're doing good. I believe that dating is the place to learn how to speak honestly about your faith in God with someone else. So if you just take love and romance and the beating heart and all of the anticipation and excitement, if you take that out of the picture initially, Christian dating is the avenue to discover if that person can help me flourish as a Christian and if I can help that person flourish as a Christian. But the reality for a lot of Christians who date is that talking about your faith is awkward. 
And this, this causes a little bit of confusion for me. Um, I mean, I think how amazing is it of God to set it out clearly that your, your relationships to be equally yoked, two people coming together with one common love and one common goal. Like the stage has been set for you. You're two confessing sinners in need of grace. Yes, you're starting in different places, but you're growing in your relationship to God and you're growing in your knowledge of his love and of his gospel. Like that's the starting point. Praise God. Yet for some reason, it seems like talking about God and your faith with your boyfriend or girlfriend is awkward. You know, it's almost as as if uh, Christian cultures put this expectation on you that you can't talk about your faith in God until you like master prayer life or like master and know a bunch about the Bible or have all your ducks in a row or you don't sin that much or something like that. And so there's this expectation of I've got to be this like expert Christian before I can talk to my boyfriend or girlfriend about it. And so what happens is you just kind of remain quiet and you don't talk about it. And this creates lots of problems. It creates lots of instability. It creates lots of uncertainties because maybe one of you is wanting the other one to really talk about it more or lead in this area. So here's why I'm, uh, where I'm not so sure that being in different places spiritually is the problem because I think the real problem is an unwillingness or an inability to talk about your faith and where you're at and to bring your boyfriend or your girlfriend into where you're at and what it's like for you to follow Jesus today. In other words, the problem is that you're not praying enough or, or you're not going to church enough or you're not doing something enough whatever it is that raises the flag and the alarm for the other person, it's not that you're not doing enough. It's that you're not talking about where you're at enough. What makes a Christian dating relationship distinct is that you ought to talk about God and how you're doing with someone else. But instead, we we seem more interested in trying to impress or look cool or sound clever or present ourselves as more spiritual than we are, or maybe live in shame that we're not spiritual enough. And so we wait until we become more convinced that they like us, or we get our act together, and then we can kind of maybe reference God like every now and then. But what if talking about your faith was like the first thing that you do? Like, What if that's what you based a relationship on? Not like some, hey, impress me, tell me how amazing you are of a Christian. But like, hey, where are you at? You know, I don't, I don't think this is like rocket scientists, like rocket science, but I, I really struggle to hear, um, hear that you guys are doing this. Like, how do I think you should start a relationship, a dating relationship? I think you should go to church together and then get lunch after church and then talk about the service and what stuck out and get to know one another's story and where God's been in their life and what God's doing in their life today. And then you go to RUF, and maybe before RUF or after RUF, you go to dinner together, and you talk about what you heard. Or you send each other songs. Or you, you, you send each other you know, sermons that you listen to or podcasts that you hear that get your mind thinking, your heart pumping. And you have spiritual, intentional spiritual conversations. Um, so I don't think the problem is that, you know, to be, I don't think we'd be unequally yoked. So, and I don't think the problem of being equally yoked is 
you know, that some person's been a Christian for longer. You know, I don't, I've, I've told this to people before, um, particularly when, when I talk to guys, I don't think what your girlfriend's looking for is for you to have your crap together. What your girlfriend's looking for is for her to know where you're at and she wants to know your heart and where God's at in your life and how you're leaning in to him, right? That's leading. Uh, number eight, it's the last one, then we'll go to gray area. Uh, your identity is in Christ. That's black, it's very black and white. We have, we have all that we need. Um, you know, do, do you believe that a boyfriend or girlfriend can give you one ounce of meaningful identity? You know, I love, I love Maggie. I love being married. I love being a husband. I love being a dad. Um, but my central identity is not as a husband or a father. It's as a friend of Jesus. It's as a son of God. It's as an heir to the king. Um, and do you want to know how that, that's like an example of how this played out and why, why that matters? And this morning, Maggie's not here because um, she's mad at me, so she wouldn't come. I'm about to explain that. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I, 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 was, I was being her this morning. I am explaining that, but she's not here because, uh, well, she's not here just because she didn't want to be here. Uh, anyway. Uh, <laughs> so I was a jerk to Maggie this morning, and um, I was at Double Shot. And I just got there about an hour earlier, and I was working on the sermon, waiting till the last minute. And Maggie locked the keys in the house. And uh, that means I got I to gotta leave where I am and go back home. And I wasn't very happy. Um, and so when I got home, I acted rude. Uh, I kind of shunned her. And then... Uh, she texted me and she said, I don't appreciate how you just treated me. And I responded and said, you know, well, imagine if you were you know, at the coffee shop and, and I told you to come home. You know, how happy would you be? So I tried to defend myself. I tried to justify my behavior. And you know why I did that? Because in that moment, I was falsely believing that my primary identity is just up for grabs. In that moment, I needed to be seen as a good husband and a good dad. I needed to be seen as no worse than her. You know, she's the one who locked herself out. I'm a good husband. I'm a good dad. Don't tell me otherwise. You would have done the same thing. But that's me in that moment living for and clinging to an identity that I don't need. And so, fortunately, um, you know, eight years ago, that would have been like a two-week-long fight. Um, today, it took two minutes, and I called her, and I said, I'm sorry, I don't need to be right. I'm in the wrong. I treated you like a jerk. Will you please forgive me? And because I have all that I need in Christ, I don't need anything from her. So I can be wrong, and I was wrong. But my identity in Christ freed me to admit that. I have all that I need. And so as you think about dating, or as you are dating, um, your, bo your boyfriend or girlfriend cannot give you an ounce of meaningful identity. And that's a good thing. Because you, when you, when the alternative is for you to look to them or to look to your relationship to give you identity and comfort, and that's just setting yourself up for, for failure. That's sinking sand. 
um, that's putting your, your boyfriend or girlfriend in the place of Messiah, and they can't hold that. All right, so those are the black and white areas I thought of, and then a few gray areas, um, and then we'll take questions. Oh my gosh. All right. <laughs> I even joked, I laughed at myself, I made fun of myself that I talked so much, and now I'm talking so much. All right, gray areas. Number one, communicate, communicate, communicate. Um, I am all for DTRing the heck out of that relationship right away. I think there's a weird phenomenon uh, where, you know, there's marriage, and now there's a pre-marriage stage called engagement, and then now there's a pre-marriage, pre-engagement stage called dating, and now there's a pre-marriage, pre-engagement, pre-dating stage called talking, and now there's a pre-marriage, pre-engagement, pre-dating, pre-talking space called DMing, and for some of you, pre-marriage, pre-engagement, pre-dating, pre-talking, pre-DMing stage called hooking up. Oh, it got quiet. Wow. Uh, hookups have become the entry point. Uh, you know, what people want is love, but you got to work for that. And so we suffice for the easier option. Let's just hook up. And so we hook up and based kind of how that went, I'll now determine if this, this, this boy or this girl is worth DMing. And then well, based on that, how that goes, maybe we'll talk. And then based on that goes, maybe we'll date and then maybe we'll get engaged. And then, yeah, maybe we'll get married, but yeah, probably not. And here's what I want. Um, I, want a, a, I, want, I want you to ask someone on a date in person. And if that goes well, ask her on another date. And if she agrees, you are dating. By definition, you're going on a date. You're dating. And communicating that brings so much clarity. You know, I have several uh, gray zone hypotheses as to why this pre-dating area even exists. But I think it's mainly because we think of dating as this stage where like two people were, were talking. So I don't, want to, I don't want to define anything yet. We're talking, I'm safe, I'm still myself, I'm free to do whatever I want and I'll just talk. And then once I date, we're together. And then now I've just got to figure out what to do with this and I'm like sapped of all my life. I got to give all my attention to this other person. And so I'm not quite sure to do that. So let's just talk for a while. Um, what if that's like crazy? What if, what if life is like this? It's two people who are looking at one another and they're like going on dates and they're like hanging out and they're hanging out and they're hanging out a lot more and they're prioritizing each other and then they're married and then they live the rest of their life together. I think, I think we're, we, the, the talking, the DMing space exists because um, to date, there's this expectation that when I date, you're the only person in the world I'm going to think about. And now, let me be clear, when you date, you are making a commitment that's not really commitment uh, to that person. And... Like this is, this is not an excuse to just like, 
uh, what's up with you? Like, I'm, you know, we're, we're just you know, taking it slow. Well, no, like when you're dating, you're, you're making some intention of like, hey, I'm here to help you flourish as a Christian, and you're here to help me flourish as a Christian. So we're going to hang out, and we're going to get to know one another, and we're going to hear each other's hearts. We're going to push each other to glory. But it's like, yeah, it's not that. But it's not also just like stagnant sitting here. Like there's, you know, hold that tension. The second reason I think this pre-dating zone happens is because we falsely believe that it can pre- it can prevent heartache. Um, and so, like, it's almost like we think the less serious a defin the, the less serious of a definition, the less heartbreak we'll feel. And this is not true. Um, you guys can be talking for three months, and if it ends, it's still going to hurt. Um, when you when you when you when you in an act of vulnerability expose yourself as interested in another person you are setting yourself up for marriage or rejection and hurt like that's just the only two options and so communicate 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 dtr way early that's my hot take that's why i put it in the gray zone can't i can't quote you a scripture there um but for those who are dating i know Another reason why this is hard to talk about is because some of you have been dating for like two years and some of you have been dating for like two weeks and some of you want to date and aren't dating and you're, you're like sitting across the, the row from someone that you really want to date and you haven't told her yet or him yet. So there's all sorts of that going on right now. And I realize that most of what I've been saying is like uh, not necessarily aimed at those who've been dating for a long time. Um, for those who've been dating for a long time, uh, quick plug, I'd love for you to take an exam and come and do some sessions with me and we could do prepare and enrich and see if you're ready for engagement. I mean that seriously. Um, see how compatible you are and help you work through some things. Uh, okay, that was a that was a real tangent. All right. So for those who have been dating, I hope that you are dating at this point. Oh, this is what I wanted to say. For those who have, so I'm finally speaking. Those of you who've been dating for a while, I hope that you are dating with the intention of getting married. Like I don't know what other point. Why, why else you'd be dating? You're just, you know, carrying along that other person. You're, you're, you're harming that person. Um, all right, number two. Um, you know, one, one thing I wanted to say also for here uh, is that I had a conversation with a guy several months ago. They were trying to make some big decisions, and he didn't want to be, like, over-controlling. Like, uh, uh, they were, yeah, making some – one of them was going to graduate and going to kind of go on, go on her way. And I said, hey, he, he didn't want to be, like, controlling, so he just didn't want to say anything. I was like, hey, actually, I think if you were to, like, communicate to her that, like, you want to get married and that you kind of hope that affects the way that you make these decisions together, like, I don't think that's overbearing. That actually could bring a sense of relief because she's probably thinking that same thing, too, and is waiting for you to say something. So he did. It brought relief. All right. Communicate. Uh, number two, there's a difference between being friends with a person of the opposite sex and dating them. Uh, to tag along to point number one, um, this, is, this is better to address sooner than later. Uh, whether you like this or not, uh, your relationships with someone of the opposite sex, that relationship is gendered. And that comes with a lot of confusion, and you better name it and know it. Um, it's great and okay to be friends with someone of the opposite sex, but just know as you're doing that, what I generally see is that this is the guys just wanting to be friends with the girl, and the girl's like, man, this guy's giving me extra attention, more attention than he gives his other guy friends. 
maybe he likes me. And the guy all along is like, well, I was just being friendly. Know that your relationship is gendered and the chance that you think that there might be more than just friendship type feelings involved, address it. And maybe talk to Bethany or Connor or me and we'll help you figure out how to address it. It would be much more kind of you to, to speak that into existence than to just let that linger and get more harmful in the long run. Number three, there's two more. Dating is good. I'm pro-dating. And, and God uses it to sanctify you if you let him. And as a Christian, we, we, we can think like we actually have the freedom to think differently about rejection and failure. We can think differently about asking for and extending forgiveness. We can think differently about hardship because we know that though dating comes with a, a risk of vulnerability and it comes with a risk of being hurt, that that hurt is producing in us character and that character is producing in us hope. And that hope will not be put to shame. We have a whole new take on hardship. And that actually frees us up to date, I think. You know, Dr. Uh, Henry Cloud, uh, he's written lots of books. And, and one of them was on dating. And he said, dating is as much about learning what you need and want and how you need to grow and change as it is about finding the right person. Um, that can come across as like, so just use that other person to grow. It's not what he's saying. But he's saying, hey, if your relationship ends it wasn't a waste. God was doing something in your heart. Will you have the eyes to see? All right, last, sexual boundaries. Um, here's what we, here's what we, dating relationships, um, sexual, sex and sexual things is, is like a cheat code. Um, it's awesome. It feels really good. And it's an extremely easy way to communicate that I like you and to receive from the other that you like me. And so, you know, what usually happens at this campus is that we live our, our weeks, we're so busy, we're so stressed out. Oh, but I'm hanging out with my girlfriend or boyfriend on the weekend. We haven't really talked a week because we've been so busy. Man, I really wish I would know for sure if she likes me. Let's watch a movie. And then we, we're on top of each other and our clothes are off and we're doing all sorts of things. It's an easy way to communicate if I haven't seen you all week that I like you and that you like me. It's a cheat code. Um, but here's the thing. And I refer back to my talk on sex and, and theology of the body. It's a really big deal. It's a really big deal. It's doing something to you, doing something to your heart. And so what I, what I would want, instead of drawing a boundary line, what I would want is for you to figure out how the other, how your partner feels loved and to do the hard work of actually moving towards your partner in those sorts of ways. So if your boyfriend or girlfriend, if they are a words of affirmation or a physical touch person, Hey, make it a point to go on a, on a, on a walk around campus every, every couple days or once a week and hold hands with her. Um, make it a purpose when you see her to give her a hug. Um, make it a purpose if, you're, if your boyfriend's a words of affirmation guy to, and you see him like, you know, uh, being nice to some new person, let him know that you saw that and that that was awesome. Um, when you have those sorts of touches, you don't need the sex stuff as much. It's easier to hold off on that because you're communicating throughout the week in other ways that, hey, I like you and you like me. And that's much healthier. It's much more sustaining. It feels a lot better. I don't know about you, but most, most Christians I feel to, or most Christians I talk to, they, they do this stuff and then they just feel terrible about it. And then they have boundary talks and they feel so much shame. And then they have, you know, 
more boundary talks and they break the boundaries and they have more boundary talks. And like the next thing you know, it's three months in and all they're freaking talking about is the boundaries. And then they're tired of one another and they're, they're giving up because they've just you know, broken the boundaries so many times. Um, figure out if you're dating tonight, tomorrow, if you're dating, go ask your boyfriend or girlfriend how they feel loved by you and then make a plan of how you can love them in that way. Pretty easy. All right. That's all I got. All right. Uh, I'll take some questions.